Hey, good evening. Welcome to Jim and Winston and Seize the Day. We're uh, taking a real different tack today. Uh, we're going to ask questions about Carpe Diem. Yeah, Jim. So, I mean, can you believe Yeah, that? Winston and I are going to share questions back and forth with one another. We don't know what the questions are. We haven't rehearsed any of this, so it's uh, shooting from the hip. Today. Yeah, I love it. You know, i got to give full credit to my friend Jim here. He came up with this brilliant idea, and um, for all our listeners out there, we're on our 15th episode. Can you believe that, Jim? Uh, unbelievable, Winston. I know. We've been doing this for over a year. We're on our 15th episode. If you're listening to this right now, thank you for your support. Jim gave this great idea. He emailed me and asked me, what I thought about the idea of us coming up with five or ten questions each and asking each other those questions and uh, answering them on the spot without knowing what those questions are ahead of time. And I thought that's brilliant. It shows our the depth of our friendship, but it also shows um, how we are just going to seize the day. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I hope this intrigues you guys listening. Um, and uh, we're going to learn something ourselves, Jim, because uh, we don't even know what we're going to ask each other. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a fun part of it. Yeah, so I'll take a coin, make it really random, and then we'll flip on it, and you call it heads or tails, and I'll tell you what I see. Okay. Ready? I, I got a coin. I got a toonie in my hand. For those Americans listening, a toonie is a $2 coin. Okay, I'm flipping. Call it, Jim. Heads. It is tails. I guess I'm going first. All righty. Okay, so Jim, I get to ask you the first question. So uh, this is me asking my good friend Jim Maletta um, the first question of the day. So Jim, I was thinking long and hard about the question I was going to ask you, and I thought the first one I'd start off with was, in the theme of season day, of uh, being positive, describe your perfect day. My perfect day. We'll start at the very beginning of the day. Let's one that does not involve the alarm clock going off. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and then I would say one that presents freedom and choice throughout the day. Ah. Where my wife and I can just uh, decide what we're going to do for that day, whether it's uh, something culinary or some sort of activity or the chance to do a bit of reading or anything you might choose to do. Wow. Uh, and it's not in what you do, it's the freedom to choose in what you do. Right. So freedom is a big component of your perfect day. Yeah. And uh, I would say um, doing something physical, getting some yoga in. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, realigning the spine. You know, I, the more yoga I do, the more I realize it's all about spinal management. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe then some other form of exercise that isn't too directed like it's great just to go out and have a bike ride and see what you can see you're kind of experiencing a whole bunch of things mm -hmm. and getting exercise at the same time wow so, so you know weaving into that i can read that freedom um choice is a big component of um your perfect day and it gives me a little bit more insight of what what your core values are yeah yeah you bet um <laughs> Nowhere in there does work come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'm at the point where I've realized, you know, it's it's something you gotta do, but it's 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 not the the first choice of things to do every day, but you got you know, you gotta go out and do what you gotta do, right? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. So well that that was my first question of the day for you, and uh hope that our listeners enjoyed that one. But I I just wanted I think these questions are gonna be valuable to sort of get a better glimpse of who we are and and what's meaningful to us, which is kind of all on the theme of Seize the Day, right, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, buddy, I'll toss you the ball. It's your turn. Okay. Hit me with the um, <laughs> What do you do to discover or encounter stimulating information? Wow. Woo. Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think part of finding... Uh, new and stimulating information is um, staying young at heart, right? And so I do gather a lot of information from talking to my daughter. She usually sends me interesting articles. Um, I read the newspaper every day, which in print format, not digital. And I actually subscribe to both uh, local newspapers, which is very unusual in this day and age when most people are going digital, you know? And uh, we've been big supporters of print uh, media in that sense, so... Um, 
I guess the forestry industry must love us because we are buying, we're one of the few buyers of both newspapers every day. And the reason why I like it is because it makes me feel connected with what's going on. And I like to start off the day reading the newspapers and getting a better grip of what's going on. I know some people are against that because they prefer to not pollute their day with negative news or otherwise, but I think there's a choice to filter out what you, what you take in. And um, as, as with the good, you take the bad, but I do try to focus on articles that are a little bit more uplifting. And I get most of my new information from either um, uh, direct sources from friends or otherwise, or from the newspaper or um, from surfing the web. But I do less surfing the web than I do actually reading the newspaper or other sources. I'm not that much on the TV side of getting news that way. Okay, great. Okay. That's... That's, uh, That's a good question. I, I kind of thought you'd be more on the electronic side. That's very, very cool to, to hear that uh, old school still wins out. Yeah, no, I, you know, it's funny. I think my daughter and I share the same kind of uh, passion for print. She loves to have printed books. She's not an e-reader person. Um, she has a huge collection of, of books, and she likes them in print. She makes her feel valuable to be able to tab a page and things like that. And I, I can understand that because although they're not as portable as digital media, it has some more different connection when you actually actually hold on to an actual printed book or or a newspaper. I just I'll miss the day when we don't when we aren't doing that. But for now, I'm I'm going to be one of those stalwarts that holds out. You know, <laughs> think of opening a book and smelling it, and then think of opening an e-reader and smelling it. Yeah, two totally different things. Yeah, and I think opening an e-book would probably void your warranty. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one, Jim. That's a deep one. I didn't actually think that it would go there. That's what we do on Seize the Day. We try to take you deeper than just the initial questions throws, right? So, Yeah, you know, um, just some perspectives on that one is, you know, I, I toss in the auditory side of things where, or, or even the visual where, you know, you see a Wayne Dyer special or a Deepak Chopra special or just when, you know, when I'm in a vehicle, I listen to CBC radio just to be able to encounter things like what we've already talked about on Seize the Day, mm. interviews with Glenn Hansard and, and some other people that have just become unbelievably stimulating. Yeah. Uh, I think it's my turn to, uh, to shoot you another one there, Jim. Okay. Okay. Right away. okay. See if you find this one a little deeper. Okay, I'm going to roll the dice. What is one challenge you've faced in your life that has made you who you are today? Oh, that's uh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm going deep. I'm going for the jugulars. <laughs> well, you know, I um, I think you've got to you got to maybe look to the younger side because although you know we're still uh, one of the things I enjoy most about the last few years of my life is that I'm kind of in a more of a learning mode than than. Maybe I was in my 30s, right? So, which is really stimulating, right? That's I, I, maybe I wasn't as open to carpe diem or or not so much that, but seeking out interesting and stimulating information. Right, right. But anyway, um, I'll go to an athletic example. Okay, sure. Uh, I had an opportunity to go on a on a rugby tour in 1980. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was playing for a club down in Vancouver. It was actually the Vancouver Rowing Club out of Stanley Park. Okay. And uh, I, I really, you know, I had a couple little jobs down there, but they were getting in the way of being a player. So I was able to come back to Cranbrook and work at a pulp mill for the better part of a month on a shutdown. So it was lots of extra hours and, the pay was really good and all that sort of stuff, right? So, um, and, you know, I, I played the last game before coming back here and knew that I needed to be in better shape to do well on the tour, knew that opportunities could present themselves after the tour and, um, you know, some other stuff like that, right? So I came home and I just basically found, uh, you know, some a variety of things to be able to to get in that in a better level of condition. So you know, basically, I was doing two day workouts, and I just went out to the local rep soccer team because they ran good good hard running sessions. 
and uh, basically, you know, worked out seven days a week to a day right. per month and went back and, you know, ended up doing really, really well on the tour, got player of the match in the first match, um, set myself up for the next year. You know, that was basically a spring tour. And if anybody knows anything about rugby down in, in Vancouver, it's played September to April. So, uh, you know, that, that really helped uh, me be known in that club. And actually, I did fairly well when I got back to it. So, you know, it's one of those things that it's, you got to put the work in. And yeah. the harder you work, the luckier you get. So I, I suppose that's a little bit of perseverance, a little bit of hard work, you know, a little bit of, you know, kind of, having to push yourself, go through certain barriers to be able to, 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 um, you know, achieve what you wanted. Wow. Okay. Deep. I like that. I like that. So that was a, a pretty good example of how, uh, that kind of made you a little bit about who you are, the gym you know are today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that, uh, gets transferred into a whole bunch of things, you know, um, sometimes you get, tasks, things, and jobs where you need a little bit of uh, stick to to get through it, that sort of thing. So, you know, when you've done that sort of stuff before in a different way, then you can lean on it. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it's really kind of um, uh, interesting um, uh, perspective that you have there it, that, you know, I, you know, I've known you for a while and, and I know how much, um, uh, sport forms a big fabric of who you are and you know it's funny when we talk about rugby or we talk about any level of sports there's a, a certain kind of um, connecting uh, line in your life that has tied you into um, you know how you even connect yourself in business and your personal relationships you're able to draw on, on like important analogies of how your experiences there about tenacity and perseverance um, carry through in other areas of your life yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a really uh, perseverance. I think is probably the best word in all of that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm glad that you shared that, Jim. So feel free, you can toss me a ball now. I'm on okay. uh, question two here. <laughs> I'm gonna kind of meld two questions I had together, and it's it's something you know. I I know work can get really really hectic. Yeah. And um, sometimes we get a little overloaded and we have to try and keep our, our mind calm. So it's kind of a two-parter. Okay. You know, um, what do you do to keep your mind calm in those really, really hectic work challenges? And how do you escape mentally from the day-to-day -day, uh, responsibilities of that hecticness uh, for a mental rest? Oh, wow. Good question. Wow. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think we all perceive our friends uh, to be together or have a skill that we don't have sometimes and we admire um, bits of them and wonder how they cope with uh, the challenges that we all face on a daily basis. So, uh, appreciate the question. Um, you know, as a, as a guy that runs a business, um, often I'm kind of feel torn in different directions of things that need to be done and prioritizing. And... Part of um, uh, finding out what uh, I need to do and also how do I de-stress and, and uh, find that space away is I try to go by the philosophy of trying to figure out who I am or who I want to be before I decide what I need to do. And so when I think about that, I mean, let's say you're a, a soccer player, um, but you're also a dad and a and a husband and all these other things too. Well, let's just take that case. If you were gonna rank out the the three key roles you have in your life, maybe one, you're a soccer player. Maybe that's your occupation. Maybe you play for a professional team. Two, you're a, a husband. Three, maybe you're a, a dad. So in your life priorities, you could look at those three roles that you play and rank them and say, okay, um, which one's most important to me? Um, which supersedes the other? Is it uh, more important me to be a, a soccer player than a dad? Probably not. Or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, or is it more important to be a good husband? 
than a good dad or that's where it gets a little bit sticky. I think most parents would agree that the dad and husband roles are fairly close uh, in the parameter. But I think that in my life, I think it's more important to to have the closeness as a as a couple if you're married first, because without that structure, I think the rest of the family falters. So there has to be some structure to put that in perspective. So for me, to answer your question, what I try to do is I try to get my priorities straight first before I decide what I need to do. And I de-stress by taking moments away from the day-to-day -day by either going for a walk, which I try to hit 10,000 steps a day according to my Fitbit, or um, I try to take a mental break and, and actually force myself to turn off the phone and sit there and, and um, it's almost a forced mental break of, you know, it could be staring out the window for all it is, but most of the time it's trying to find joy in little things. I, I've had a, a time, I'll tell you, I was sitting there um, overwhelmed with the work I had to do and I reached into the um, the the drawer of my desk and I, I found a paper clip and it wasn't a regular paper clip, it was one of those um, wire paper clips that had the, the plastic cover on it and I spent five minutes trying to peel the plastic cover off it and then wrapping it around this <laughs> pedestal thing. And then, you know, five minutes later, I realized that all my stress was gone. The headache that I had was gone because I was focusing on trying to do something that had nothing to do with my work. <laughs> so if pattern distractions are key to success there, Jim. <laughs> uh, excellent. Thank you, Winston. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for asking me, Jim. And, and we, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll share uh, at another time where that question came from. But, yeah, I really appreciate your answer. Oh, thanks, Jim. Um, I got a good one for you, Jim. Um, okay. What is your best childhood memory? Holy cow. I know. I'm going deep. <laughs> I'm going deep. I'm not going surface today. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot, you know, I had an excellent childhood. So, you know, I, I, I don't think yeah, I really have to go to anything that's really grandiose or anything like that. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, as a family, we would go to one of the local lakes in the summertime, you know, as often as we could. Oh, wow. Really? And, and, you know, we'd just go out and swim and have fun and, you know, splash around and do whatever. You know, just have a great, a great day, not worrying about anything else, right? Just hanging out. Yeah, these are the simple and, pleasures, and, eh? And well, and and you know, spending time together. So, I I think that's a a really really good one. So that did that happen every summer, pretty much? Uh for the most part, yeah. Until you know, I got to the age where I could just go on my own, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We went as a family. And did that, you know, probably till I was twelve or thirteen. Wow. Well, my sister's two years older than me, so you know, at some point, uh, you know, kids don't don't want to hang out with mom and dad and do that as a family so much. But you know, you you go out there, you'd pack the cooler, you'd spend all day at the beach swimming and blah blah blah, and then you'd have a barbecue and you know, you'd come home. Wow! And you know, those precious moments, you don't realize the impact they have on your life until you look back a little bit and you're little older and and you scroll back and those times we just took as just regular days as as uh, kids they become kind of the fabric of our existence after a while yeah and you know what at, at the end of it, it it wasn't about uh having anything bought for you or or anything like that it it's about uh time together and and doing something we enjoyed wow that's cool. So when did you guys start doing that, even when you were little kids? Yeah, probably, well, we, I was seven when we got to Cranbrook. So, you okay. know, it, um, we'd been in Calgary for three years before that, so it's kind of hard there. Mm. Where here, there's, you know, one lake is only five kilometers away, right? It's, yeah, no kidding. It's not far. Another one's a half hour. You know, there's probably three or four within a half hour, so. Right. Did those... um. um Memories kind of form uh, better with your sister around. Like, were you guys close or? Oh yeah, we're fairly close. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
but yeah, you know, as, as all things, we all enter into our own lives more as we get older, you know, things diverge and all that. It's not good, bad, or, or different. It's what it is, right? Mm, mm. Yeah, I love that. I love the I love the pureness and the simplicity of it. It reminds me of a scene of Leave It to Beaver or something. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Okay, toss me the ball. I'm ready for you, buddy. Okay. Uh, let's see here. What is on your bucket list? Wow, boy, woo! You you don't go you don't go small on this one, do you? <laughs> Man, um, uh, there's a number of things on there. I mean, I've I've been adding to it, but one of them, um, which is a uh, work in progress, but I've I've glimmered and glimpses of, is that I'd like to be. Uh, I'll throw it out there, and once you throw it in the podcast, you know it's in the real world now, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, one of my one of my greatest goals, aside from what I do right now, is uh, to be uh, a world-renowned uh, public speaker. And I put the preface to that because um, there's those big, those are big shoes to fill, and and I'm not talking it's for the fame or for. Uh, the money or anything. Th those are side notes if you do a good job on anything, right? A anybody doing a good job on anything will will have financial wealth, right? Uh, but I'm talking about, I, I care about the influence. And what I mean by that is like, when I think about guys like Wayne Dyer or Deepak or, or others, I'm sure that when their legacy is left long and gone, it's not about how much money they made selling books or, or having seminars. Those, those are side notes. What I care about is that the influence, the impact that they had to change other people's lives in a positive way by being thought leaders to help guide people into a direction which they normally would not have seen. Very interesting. Yeah, that's it, it's about that's a great answer. Oh, thanks, bud. Geez, I always count on Jim's support. He's the best. <laughs> well, no, it's it it and I just saw exactly what you were talking about this morning on um, the CBS program Sunday morning. There was a guy on there who had been shot in the face by somebody. That guy ended up on death row. He actually ended up lobbying for his clemency. Really? Um, wow. And, and, and it, 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 you know, it was racially motivated or, you know, one, the guy who was shot was Muslim and, but it, it just goes to show me what he wanted to do is show people a different way to look at things. Wow. And, and, I, and I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. I, you know, and when I say influence, it's not full of ego that I say influence. I mean, influence in the sense that, you know, I feel that there, the world is in a, in a space right now where we need um, people to sort of show guidance and leadership in terms of helping people see perspectives that are easily overlooked when we're in the busyness of life you know what I mean and having been there in the busyness of life and rushing through things I think we miss a lot of the fabric of the things that we're truly looking for because it's hidden you know underneath the the things that we call you know day-to-day -day activities for example you know buying groceries or rushing to work or things like that or you know, not taking that moment to stop and see what's going around around you, the seeing the pain, the homeless, the you know, the the neighbor across the street who's desperate that needs some help but is too afraid to ask. Those kind of things I'm talking about, like just shining a light on the lesser seen things in our world that just need as much attention, but nobody giving you the nudge to remind you that that's important too. You know? Yeah. So I mean, that's a really great question you had there. Wow. I, that, that kind of, um, I, that, I love the surprise of it. You can tell none of this is scripted because we didn't really plan for either of these. <laughs> wow. Hey, I got a good one for you, Jim. I'm ready. You ready? Okay. Okay, Jim. What would you change in your life if you had a chance to do something over? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, without worrying about the impact you, of how you change something, you yeah. change the, the. Here's the esotericness of that question. Okay. If 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 that change actually occurred, it would change where you are today. 
right. in many different ways, right? right? Right. So sometimes when you take the, you have the fork in the road choice and you take a certain choice and you may perceive it as the wrong one at the time. Yeah. yeah. It may have been the right one because of what it taught you. That's very true. So anyway, just to just to have a go at that, um, I got a little. I wouldn't say I, I enjoyed living in Cranbrook, but it it, and I really enjoy living here now, and I always have. Mm -hmm. But at times, it it didn't provide enough challenge in a few areas. One was employment, right, and one was athletically, and I. I wish I would have maybe had a go at seeing how far I could have gone with rugby. Right. And that would have taken, you know, I it didn't discover, you know, I did lots of resistance training, blah, 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 but I didn't really use a weight room too much. And to, to play the positions I would have been playing, I would have needed to be stronger and faster and blah, blah, blah. Right. So right. that's, that's a backwards perspective, but I would have liked to have had a go at that. Yeah, so just sort of see, follow that path and see how far you could have gone, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. Sometimes you want to go with a path less taken and, and just follow it and, and challenge yourself to go the maximum. And even if succeed or fail, like it's nice to know where your limit is. And uh, sometimes it can go far. Like you wouldn't know where you could go professionally or otherwise, but to have the opportunity is what you were looking for. Yeah, and uh, I was kind of headed in that direction. Yeah. And then I had two knee injuries in seven weeks, and that changed the whole path. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's... But I still, I still didn't get to the point where I committed to, to, to having that goal, right? So it's easy to say that the knee injuries caused it when the truth of the matter is you can recover from those, right? Right. They, they, you know, they, they did certainly impact uh, my knee, and there was some you know, minor surgical repairs years and years later and all that sort of stuff, but it, it can be rehabbed and it was rehabbed, but to enjoy skiing and hockey and playing rugby in a, at, at a lesser challenging level. So, yeah. And you know what I love about that answer? It, there's a lot of raw honesty there. It's about, it's as, as true as, you know, what I think what we try to do with our monthly sessions is really talk about things that are meaningful to us and not try to preach, really. We're just trying to share ideas. Like This all was founded by the idea of Jim and I just like talking to each other and talking about deep thoughts anyways. So we thought we'd share it with people. Um, what people take from it by being the fly on the wall is, is bonus, right? And, you know. Yeah. Can I give a second answer to that question? Please? Yeah, second answer. Feel free. You got the do for you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I... I went to Langara College for a term and I was taking, you know, uh, math, science, physics, chemistry, blah, blah, English, right? Yep. And I, I didn't do all that well and I did okay in physics, the rest of it, not so good, but I did really well in English, which was kind of a surprise because it had never been a strong suit. Right. I had a really good instructor and uh, it's one of those when the, when you, a light gets, or a spark gets, ignited and a little flame happens, right? Yep. The, the, the saying that, you know, when the, um, when the student is ready, the teacher shall appear. And I, you know, I think the teacher or the, the instructor or professor, whatever you wanted to call her, you know, lit a bit of a spark there. And I ended up doing fairly well. And it was just an English composition course, but I ignored that desire and, um, you know, minor success and, enjoyment from it mm -hmm. and went on to then go to BCIT and take engineering, which I, you know, I don't know if that was the right choice because I didn't have that desire for engineering. I just thought that's more likely where a job is. Right. And that's actually pretty insightful because for the listeners out there who may be of university age or otherwise, um, it's very easy to fall into the trap is that I'll take whatever the market's going to want, you know, like I'll, I'll study what, is going to make me employable rather than what's going to make me happy. And, yeah, you know, exactly. It's easy to fall in that trap, but, and it, you hear people say, follow your passion, but then you don't, you'll hear about starving students and you'll hear about, you know, like, uh, labeling a profession because, you know, 
maybe it doesn't have the same opportunities. But you know, the truth rings rings true all the time that if you're if you're really passionate about what you do, and um, you have a unique take on things, a lot of times uh, doors open when you least expect them. You know, I mean, yeah. so many uh, like examples in history where um, it seemed unlikely uh, that things would open up for people, but you know, they were at the right place at the right time. They had the right skill set, and um, I think the common thing of uh, a lot of successful people has been they they are not only good at what they do, but they love what they do. You know, yeah, is there doesn't seem to be drudgery in what they do to take a paycheck home. Yeah, and there's a certain level of fulfillment that comes from from not only doing a good job, but doing a job and doing it well, but also uh, doing something that you feel that has meaning, either to you or yourself or to the world. Or um, It comes down to really looking inward and sort of finding out uh, what brings you joy. You know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> unfortunately, freedom is the thing that brings the most joy. <laughs> yeah, I know. So in the end, you know, we, we can meander through all these routes and wonder what if. But I do believe that there is some kind of um, synergistic plan out there that leads us to where we're going to be. And maybe um, we could believe that we'd always end up in the same place that we're meant to be. But there is always that creature comfort to wonder, hey, what would happen if we chose a different path? Would we have gone in the same direction? Yeah, and that that's, you know, that's a... I, I think in the answer on the English side, it reflects in why I enjoy doing some writing, whether it leads me anywhere or not. Right. Right, so it's versus, um, you know, crunching out a construction estimate. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, I hear you. They hit different avenues of your creativity, um, but you know now we can look at it and say, "Wow, um, it would be nice to explore that." But maybe you could have explored it. Maybe you would have still ended up where you are. But the question marks is what makes it kind of intriguing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm, cool. Thanks, I, Jim. I like that. Yeah. All right, Winston. All right, bud. You ready for another one? All right, I'm the catcher. Throw it at me. Okay. What does carpe diem mean to you? Wow. Now we're getting really into the, the nitty-gritty, aren't we, eh? Um, you know, it'd be easy for me to say carpe diem uh, means seize the day. I'm sure a lot of us out there who have seen, like, um, Robin Williams in the movie um, uh, would say that, okay, there's probably um, a lot of lineage to that about um, not taking days for granted, um, seizing the day and making the most of it, sucking the, the marrow of the bone um, to try to find the true essence of who we are and what we're meant to be here for. To me, Carpe Diem is, is all about um, um, honesty. It's about um, uh, integrity and truth. So if I could... Uh, what that means to me is that when you have limited amount of days in your life... And let's say somebody said that you had five days left, right, Jim? Um, if somebody said seize the day, it would have a greater meaning to you knowing that you only have five days left versus not knowing that you have any ended timeline. Like, if we go on vacation together and I say, Jim, we got 30 days to play now. We can go and do anything. We do. We, we're at in Hawaii. Let's make the, the world's our oyster. We can go play, right? But if I said, Jim... I just got the news report that a meteor is coming to Earth and we all have five days left. <laughs> it gives a different meaning to seizing the day now because <laughs> the, the things that you find important, you slowly delineate, it change your priority scheme and then what you do. So the carbon game to me, um, because there's no defined timeline a lot of times, is having kind of like a balanced zen-like approach to seeing life and making the most of the moments um, in a conscious way. It's like conscious living, but, uh, but with an unconscious joy. If that makes sense. It's like going, to me it means going and doing what you love, or doing what you, doing what you do, but loving what you do. 
um, and, and trying to make the most of the moments um, with that consciousness. Yeah, even the, even the most challenging of tasks that are on the undesirable side, right. if you look at it and say, maybe I can even have some fun while I have to do this necessary thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you can achieve some fun in it, then you know it's it's uh, it's it's going to be a lot more than just oh woe is me I got to do this blah 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 right? Yeah, no, that was a really good question, Jim. Boy, I mean it's it's right bang on on our theme of what we do too, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I hope I answered that one okay for you. Um, oh, you, very well. You ready for another one? Sure. Okay. Um, this one, you can see a theme to my questions. I, I'm not playing small on these ones a lot of times. I'm going, <laughs> describe the hardest thing you've ever had to do. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Phone a couple brother-in-laws and let them know that their mother passed away. Wow. How old were you when that happened? That was last summer. Wow. That must have been a hard thing to do. I mean, I mean, at, at, at that point, they had no clue, right? Like that. Uh, oh no, no, no! It, it was there was it was a, a palliative care situation and all that. So. Oh, okay, so it was on the horizon, but it's still the yeah. like a painful process to to, to do yeah. that. Like, how did that change you in that process of, of having to make that call? I mean, you must have had some hesitation when you picked up the phone or had to realize you had to get in gear for that one almost, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's just something that, you know, has to be done. So, yeah, proceed. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you know, looking at that, I guess you just brace for those moments. I, you know, relating on that same level, I remember... Um, you know, when my grandmother passed away, um, I did part of the eulogy and it's one thing to rehearse a eulogy when you're sitting comfortable at home and, and, and trying to put together thoughts that summarize a person's life, right? But it's another thing to actually be doing it in front of a crowd of people that care about that person and then having, you know, you know, the grandmother there in a casket too, right? It's like, it's not to be too graphic, but the idea of having that actual person there uh, passed away with all the loved ones around them makes it a more difficult task than just talking about it, for sure. Oh, yes. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, that's, that's uh, I guess that's you, when you stand up and be counted. Yeah, exactly. You, you really nailed it there. It's almost, uh, that really captures the essence of what you just told me, you know, like standing up and being counted and saying I'm here, you know what I mean? This is me, this is my job, this is this is um, who I am. There's no real hiding in the shadows when you do what you just did, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you wow. got it. Wow, man, that, that's deep, brother, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Gosh. Okay, brother, just throw, throw it back at me, shine the light, I gotta go. Uh, let's see here. We'll go a, a totally different direction. Okay, good. Uh, who would be on your list of people you would most like to have a coffee or beer with? <laughs> uh, okay, so besides you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Present company accepted. Okay, yeah, that, that, that comes as a given. Okay, um, that's a good question. I would like to have a coffee or beer with let me think here um and they don't have to be living Could yeah be yeah this yeah. is that's the interesting part of it yeah um hmm i think okay i think somebody i would like to have a coffee or beer with would probably be mm, well my logical side says 
It'd be interesting to have a coffee or beer with Warren Buffett to pick his brain on his next stock picks. (laughs) (laughs) But my heart side says um, Robin Williams. I'll tell you why. Not because I'm that big of a fan of Robin Williams, although he made some pretty big inroads with Mork and Mindy and all these other movies, right? I, I just felt a certain level of sadness when he passed away. Not like the, it's the, not that sadness that, oh my God, I knew him so well, I'm sad, right? It was the kind of, you know, isn't that sad that somebody who spent most of his life trying to make people smile and laugh, in the end was sad inside? Yeah, there's tragedy in that. Right, there's a certain kind of like almost paradoxical Shakespeare tragedy in this somehow. And for me, knowing who I am, I wish in some way I could have met him at a time where he was still receptive to receiving friendship, love, and he wasn't so far in a dark place that he wasn't recoverable to sort of see how much impact he had on the world. So that maybe with enough encouragement that he would have found his meaning and chosen a different path. I don't, maybe it's too, um, it's not an ego thing, but maybe it's like, I think every person in the world makes a difference. Every interaction you have, whether or not it's strangers or famous people or otherwise, makes a difference. But knowing that there's a potential that our impact, our energy, our, our belief in people can actually change their day, I just have a feeling that had there been an opportunity there, that maybe there could have been a way to keep him here a little longer. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it's it's not it's definitely not coming from a place that I know better than anybody that he knows or his family or anything. It's about somebody tr- showing him true appreciation from a stranger perspective that lets him see his value in a different image, so that perhaps maybe he would rethink where he is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the only opportunity I'm thinking. And you know, I know it's more for him, maybe, and for me in an indirect way. But I, I, off the top, I, you know, I thought about a lot of like leaders and people that might have made a difference. And but you know, I'm pretty comfortable with who I am right now, so I don't feel like I need to um, to really like idolize anybody particularly. But um, but I do see, I do have a strong need to help sometimes, and um, maybe in that essence. It would have been a, a win-win situation to get to know a cool guy, but also to be able to help him in a in a perspective to maybe uh, keep him around longer. You know. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, so that's that's my two cents. But no, no offense to anybody related to Rob Williams. Out there. <laughs> I know I never met the guy. I've only watched this movie, so hey, maybe he's not that easy to get along with. I don't know. But, <laughs> but anyways, I thought I'd throw it out there because uh, that was the first thing I thought on my on my feet. Anyways. So cool. Okay, cool. Good. So I got another one. Do you consider yourself, Jim, more of a auditory, visual, or kinesthetic person? When you say kinesthetic, what do you mean? More of a tactile, touchy-feely person. Like, for example, if you go and buy a car, is the biggest decision maker how it looks, how it sounds, or how it feels when you're grabbing the steering wheel? You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, I think I'm in a mix between auditory and visual. Okay. Now, delineating that between the two, you can only see or you can only hear. Which one would be more important to you? I think here, and I'll I'll tell you why. Okay, good. Uh, I'll go back to biology 12. Okay. I... Canada's second worst note taker. If I took notes in class, they were incomplete. I couldn't keep up. I wasn't learning anything while trying to write things down. The minute I set my pen down and just listened, it was a breeze. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So, um, now you can, as time goes on, you, you can get a whole lot better at note taking, right? So that skill is somewhat developed, but... If I just sit there and listen to somebody, mm-hmm. I'll take way more from it than uh, trying to take a shitload of notes. Oops, pardon my French. But, <laughs> Don't worry. Right, because it just doesn't it just doesn't work for me. It's it's like divided attention. If yeah. you pay attention, you can learn. 
trying to make a note while listening to somebody right. doesn't work. So it, 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 would it be safe to assume that your, um, your auditory side is strong enough that with your creative brain that if you only had one sense to choose between that your auditory side would allow you to paint the right pictures in your brain whereas your visual side wouldn't be fulfilling enough without sound? Wow. <laughs> no, I, I figure I just analyze that farther. <laughs> uh, that's why I said audio-visual because they kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, you know, when you watch. I haven't ever just listened to Wayne Dyer. Right. I've, I've listened to him while watching him. So mm -hmm. I, I guess that's maybe the best way I can answer that. Okay, okay. So it's, because it's pretty close there. As we talked about in the past, mm -hmm. communication, there's there's more to it than just hearing things, right? You know, obviously tone, inflection, all that. Right. But body language someone has when they say something and, and those things. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I guess, you know, basically the strongest is 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 probably the auditory. When I listen to music, lyrics really jump out at me. Right. Wow, okay, great, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm looking at the clock and, and we got a few minutes left on the dial. I know auditory time is a precious commodity. <laughs> so feel free to throw me one, Jim. Okay. Uh, all right. If you were stranded on a desert island, what music, book, and movie would you like to have available to you? Oh, wow. Heavy. Okay. Uh, easy for me now. Okay, music. I got to give props up to my man, Brian McKnight. I've been running his fan site for over 25 years. R&B king there. Um, 20 million albums. Uh, 20 million albums sold. You know, 16 Grammy nominations. I gotta give it to my man there. Now that's the music part covered. I would probably take one of his CDs. Probably the first CD that he ever produced, Brian Night, self-titled. Uh, that would be my choice for that. As for book, if I could only pick one book, I would probably pick a book by um, Dr. Robert Anthony, Fifty Ideas That Can Change Your Life. Short, anecdotal, fifty ideas about. Um, different perspectives because it intrigues me and it's a short read and it's pocketbook size so we wouldn't have to be lugging up a dictionary around the, the whole island. <laughs> uh, movie, it'd be easy to say Castaway because I could see the comedy in that. <laughs> but you know what? I think if I had to take a book, uh, uh, like a movie along, I would probably take Jerry Maguire. Um, it had a nice mix of, of happy times and sad times and it had a triumphant ending. Um, it's not because it's the best movie in the world, but because I relate to it, I think it'd be a, like a comfortable watch over. It's like having a nice shirt that you've worn for a long time that I've seen it enough times and I know what to predict. So those are my three picks. Excellent. Yeah. And I got one for you, Jim. Maybe we'll close with this one because I know we're looking at timelines for you too, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now this, I, I, I don't want to end on an easy note for you, although I could end, I have two questions I could ask you. And so I'm going to play Jeopardy here and let you pick the one you want to answer, okay? Okay. Okay. So this is how we switch it up here. Okay. One question I have for you uh, that you get to pick from, this is question A. What's the first thing you would buy or invest in if you won the lottery? <laughs> right? Question, okay. Question B is which is most important to you, trust or love? Totally different directions, eh, Jim? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with B. Okay. Ooh, you're going deep for me. Okay, go. I think they're synonymous. Ooh, I like how you think out of the box there. Because to love deeply requires trust. Wow. I agree. I agree. I like how you are, are mature enough to step outside the boundaries of the question and reframe it in a way to see the parallel between the two and the necessity of both of them to make it that way. It was really cool.
The other one's really easy to answer. Okay, good. Give me an answer to that one too. <laughs> oh, I just, I just uh, have family and friends that uh, would no longer have any debt. Their uh, houses would be paid off. All, all that stuff would be taken care of. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. Boy, you know my, my address and phone number. I'll send you my bank account number later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, I know you're good at sending those wires across. So that's really good. <laughs> wow. I don't know, Jim. This was one of our deepest episodes we've ever had. And, and personal too. It's not so esoteric, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times when I scroll back at some of our episodes, they were all deep. They were all like meaningful. Um, like where uncertainty can take you. We did back in September. Impact of good communication. Natural abilities versus talents. Travel experiences. Um, we had so many interesting episodes. And, you know, some of them must have resonated with our, our listeners because they kept coming back. But this episode was is really something meaningful for us. I think for both of us. Oh, you bet. I think I learned more about you even after all this time we've known each other than I have before. And we're going to have to do a revisit of this one one day. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a great uh, uh, annual, if you ask me. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. And um, it just shows how we were committed to seizing the day. And I, I'm glad that you hold me accountable to always following through for the monthly um, meetings we have. And, and uh, I'll do the same for you for sure, man, man. Oh, it's... Uh... The accountability is one thing, but the um, anticipation is another. Yeah, I mean, we really, you know, we really enjoy this process, and it's it's kind of a uh, privilege to be able to share it with other people and uh, have them kind of experience it through our eyes, and and maybe this helps them in the process that um, that is unforeseen too. So, if we've entertained, uh, like Jim was saying earlier to me before we started it, then. Um, CBC, you can easily get our numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for a new career, new yeah. horizon. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So, you know, uh, if you guys need a little bit of uh, support out there and some interesting content, we're here to serve. <laughs> All right, Jim, I guess that's it for our December episode. I mean, we could have done something more Christmassy, but I think that the whole theme of it probably will be talking before Christmas, and um, we'll, we'll get ready for the, the next episode when that comes along, too. Oh, it was very Christmassy, Winston. It was a gift of our thoughts. Oh, wow. I like that, Jim. Boy, we can put that in a Walmart card, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim. Well, it's great okay. season of the day with you. This was our December 2016 episode, season two, episode two. And all about the 10 questions or, or questions that you always wanted to ask, but you're afraid, uh, questions you wanted <laughs> to ask that you're afraid to know <laughs> the answer to. <laughs> all right, Jim. Until next time. Adieu. All right. Take care, buddy.